0: Welcome to episode 6 of the Flip Chronicles with yours truly, Rex Navarrete. I hope everyone's doing great and you guys are getting through this week, um, surviving this crazy, crazy pandemic and also the political atmosphere that this pandemic has now become a politic politicized in. Um, that kind of sucks because now people really don't want to wear masks and keep this thing going. So if that's the case, then you know what, let's just vote out. The knuckleheads who uh really want to keep this thing going because you know it's big money keeping people sick and people dying but anyway beyond that um i hope everyone is getting through and um you know still staying creative and productive and protective of one another and yourselves because this is episode six of the flip chronicles i, I just gotta keep putting these out this is keeping me busy I'm having a good time with this. Um, I'm capturing people's stories, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the last five episodes with the folks that I've been uh, chatting with. These are their stories, and now they're forever recorded. And thanks for being part of that. Um, this uh, this episode, as well as the other episodes, are also uh, made possible by a kind grant from the folks over at InstaRem. Again, I can't plug them enough if you feel like sending money to the philippines to your friends loved ones whoever you owe money to go with instagram they've got great rates uh they got no fees and um you know they're making this podcast happen so uh please if you support them you're supporting me and if you also want to support me in other ways uh there is another way you can buy my old albums my other albums they are currently on itunes and other platforms that sell music uh spotify i saw myself on spotify and, um, I'm also thinking maybe in the next, uh, week or two, I'm going to take my DVDs and put those guys on audio. And, uh, you can buy the audio tracks from my past DVDs. Yes, those were never put down in an audio album format. So, you know what? It's about time. So give me some time. Please do not bootleg. Do not download them from Torrent. not making any money off of that. I got to put, keep the lights on. I got to feed the kids. Um... What else is going on this week? Eh, That's pretty much it, you know. I mean, otherwise, uh, out here in Oregon, um, finally our skies are clearing up. I wanna I wanna thank all the firefighters and all the first responders and all the and all the folks who helped out um, with uh, with the families that have lost literally everything um, for the towns uh, just in southern Oregon and up here uh, in the um, Portland metro. A lot of folks affected in Clackamas County, so keep them in your prayers. Um, And if you want to donate, please donate to the Red Cross. Uh, I'm sure those families would appreciate your help. But be safe out there. The fire season is not over. So I'm talking to you, West Coast. Um, Well, pretty much 15 states throughout the West Coast. Not just California, not just Oregon and Washington, but also Canada is getting hit as well. So please be careful out there. Um, Anyway, with that, we got finally some fresh skies. Uh, So that's why uh, I'm releasing uh, this uh, a little late. It's been bad. Uh, my throat has been killing me, so this is my first time on the mic, and it has been some time. This episode is uh, going to be a fun one. Actually, it's going to be more than fun. It's going to be twice the fun, because we're going to do two episodes. Two parts of this guest is going to uh, 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 um, take place. So this is part one. This is part one of episode six, and then next week, we're gonna. I'm going to release part two of episode six. Uh, because I really wanted to spend some time with this next guest. Um, I, I've, I've witnessed this guy um, and his career take off, uh, you know, when he started out in Hollywood as just literally a kid. Um, and apparently we've, we've, we kind of uh, could have cro- crossed paths a few times in the past. And we're also both from the Bay Area, from San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, uh, you might have seen him first off in Hook. That's right, Hook, the Steven Spielberg film with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman, Hook. He played the um, <laughs> the character Rufio. Everyone knows Rufio, right? So you know who I'm talking about. Yes, this uh, this episode six guest is none other than Dante Bosco. Um, he comes from a really, really big family uh, of Filipino-American actors, his brothers, his sister, and apparently his mom is also in, in, in acting. But, um, he's gonna tell his story. he's gonna and um and I find it quite interesting. this guy's real film buff, so you know, I make fun of all you want uh him being Rufio, but you know what? only one guy can be Rufio and that's Dante Bosco. um so this is gonna be really cool. and for those of you who uh, who who are parents like myself who uh, who've got kids that discovered. Uh, this great animated series called uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yep, he is the voice of Prince Zuko. Prince Zuko. That's right. Prince Zuko. Dante Bosco is the voice. So, yes, blowing your mind. But other than that, you know, he's got some great, great stories about growing up in Hollywood uh, and, and making films and, um, and some of his heroes. So, without further ado... Please please enjoy this episode um, of the Flip Chronicles with my guest Dante Bosco. Thanks man for doing this man. You're you're episode 6 Oh of wow. The Flip Chronicles. You are. Congratulations. What's
1: happening man? flip chronicles i love it i love it here we are yeah i knew you would
0: i knew you you'd be one of the guys who would appreciate the word flip and we got to bring it back you know what i'm saying
1: i know i think flip is such a cool word yeah Um,
0: remember that remember back in the days when people you can't say flip that's derogatory what the hell i'm like there's more there's
1: plenty more derogatory words out there for all kinds of people flip's not that
0: bad no, we just we just took Filipino deconstructed it and we just made it one syllable and four letters and one vowel. That's it. That's all you need. That's it. It's short as possible. And the word Flip sounds kind of cool. Right. No, because I mean the origins of it is just a bunch of like uh, unmarried manongs back in the day just just recognizing each other on the street as flips. Oh, and about Flip. Hey, you know. Lip- Flip, yeah, flip. That's it. And, you know, because, you know, Pinoy, yeah, it's cool. And then Filipino and then Filipino. But flip, you know, that's something we lost. And, and that's my way of uh, kind of like uh, paying homage to those early pioneers, you know. Who, yeah. had, to, who had to really rough it out in, in, the, in, the, in the urban streets of America. Totally. Uh, yeah. You know, it's crazy. I did a movie back in the day called uh,
1: Biker Boys.
0: And... Um, I remember that. Yeah, No, before we continue, man, you're going to be bringing up a, a lot of, a lot of the '80s, a lot of the '90s. Yeah, of course, man. of course. <laughs> Early 2000s, and, and and you, Dante bosco were a really big part of those decades, man, with the films that you put out and you were part of. So yeah, man. Continue. Yeah. No, well, continue. On, boys, the, yes. on the idea
1: on the, uh, the just from the word flip is because. We, uh, me and my brother Dion Dionicio Bosco, he, we, they ended up offering these roles and they, they were going to ride them. They wrote them for us as like these other guys that kind of joined the biker boys crew, uh, after the three main guys. And we were going to ride quads and they didn't know what to call us. And I said, you should call us flipping Philly. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, they're kind of like nicknames for like Filipinos, like flips and like Phillies, like Filipino Phillies or right. flips. And they're like, is that cool? We're gonna get busted for that. I'm like, nah, nah. Like I'm flip, he's Philly. He's like, let's go for it. <laughs> so you know, we do. We all do our best.
0: Exact, dude. That's that's cool, right? As long as you're comfortable in your own skin about it, and people want to scrap over it, we'll scrap. But right. you know what? We'll just like. This is, we got to bring it back. And you and I, you and I, we're straight up from the Bay Area. And we understand that, yeah, we got to have, we just got to let things slide sometimes and embrace, you know, stuff that, that really define us, you know, like Flip. Like Flip.
1: The Flip Chronicles. Here we are. I love that you're, um, you're having the Flip Chronicles. Like you're, you're, you're documenting us, you know, we're, you know, we're like the, uh we're, we, we, people know Filipinos, but it's been, you know, you've been around as long as I have where there's many years at within the Asian American community. It was very uh, underrepresented. Actually, we've always been around, but we weren't really defined. Right, right. Which and is it fascinating.
0: Was, yeah, because it was that time I actually wanted to be one of the Bosco brothers. Hot hey. Ta- I wanted to be Hata Bosco. You know what I'm saying? Hata Bosco. I know. Hata
1: Bosco. There you go.
0: <laughs> we that needed you in it. the band, in the breakfast. group. Half Japanese, half Filipino, you know. <laughs> Hata. No, man. Yeah. We always ran parallel. A lot of people don't know this, that yes, you, your brothers, myself, we we're from northern california from the bay area yeah. and um, you what guys are you, you from which city are you from exactly i'm from south city bro from, oh so uh, you
1: from the city i from city. the peninsula you know yeah, yeah right there. South City,
0: daily city fog town
1: you're the cool you're one of the cool kids you know. yeah and you and you guys grew up uh ooh, further out east bay yeah east bay a little town called pittsburgh california damn um, what's up pittsburgh yep yeah, pittsburgh. What's up, pittsburgh The p you know the bay area filipinos in the bay area are like unlike Filipinos anywhere else I would say which yeah, is how so man I just think we grew up in a certain way uh I don't know there's a whole first of all Asians in the bay is a whole nother different kind of Asians because right, in a lot of ways right. Asians in the bay kind of just outnumber everyone else and so there's a very kind of like even though we're a minority in America there's also a, a, a generational thing was like there's generations of Asians in the Bay that kind of been around, and uh, and have a certain power structure going on. And then Filipinos in the Bay, I don't know. There's so many of us, and within well, growing up in Pittsburgh, like specifically for me, it's like my uncle, my my dad, and my uncles, my extended uncles. They're like the mayor of the town, and you know, our Filipino American Association was like our social. Circle for so many years, where you kind of met up with everybody, and and everyone's kind of related in in a in a very, you know, kind of in that Filipino way, like we're all related, but also in that way of a small town Pittsburgh, where it's basically if you go back in your family trees somebody in your family has married or dated someone in their family and so we're
0: all kind of (laughs) cousins
1: somehow some way or second cousins twice removed or something you know
0: yeah yeah but your roots are still there you still have family in pittsburgh
1: yeah my family's still there My, my you know my grandparents have passed away now and uh but my uncles and aunts are there all my cousins and uh you know we make that pilgrimage back home to pittsburgh several times a year
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is the whole Bosco clan,
1: the whole Bosco clan. My, uh, my mom's side and dad's side, World War II veterans. Oh my, you know, and they made it over after World War II. My grandfather and my my dad's side was army. My grandfather and my mom's side is navy. You know, classic military family.
0: Heck yeah, man. You know, there's nothing. nothing more, uh, the you know, uh, nothing more Filipino American than a lot of our families. You know, being the U.S. military. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of us got here, and you know, we are we are the Americans, really. We, you know, seriously, you I mean you when we, you've got Navy, Navy is a big part of our uh, our our heritage. Totally. If it was not for the Navy, a lot of us wouldn't be here. Literally, you know. My dad. Uh, my dad was
1: Navy. Yep. Yep. Were you and, born, in
0: the states? And, and, oh no, no, I, I mean, I was, I was born in Philippines. Philippines. I was Philippines. born in Manila. Yeah. Oh wow. But yeah, I mean, I didn't we didn't get any navy personnel in my family until my uncles immigrated, you know. So my uncle's got to join the the US Navy and um and the navy runs in our family. Okay. Too. Yeah, man. That's that That. see a lot of people don't know that about you that yeah. You get you guys were you you guys ever, come, come you, your dad ever uh ever talked to you about joining the military? Um, yeah, about, uh, not joining the military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Back in, back in high school, uh, senior year. i was thinking, you know what? If I I cannot, there's no way we can afford college. And, you know, I'm just going to probably, uh, my plans are just join the army. I took the test and everything. And, um, uh, yeah, that was a plan, man. I was I was gonna be a part of that first Gulf War wave, but man, you know, I, I decided to just take one one semester of junior college and and go to SF State, and then uh, I decided to just and like continue. Become a college. comic. They become and a no, comic. Were, Why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, but co- something in in at SF State, my second semester at SF State, I took a class. This is crazy. I took a class. This would forever change my path. It's like if I don't take, if I don't, if I, if I don't like college, I'm definitely going to enlist into the army and um, and uh, and uh, attain my dreams of being an Apache helicopter pilot. You know. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to be hardcore. You know, I wanted to be a brown pilot uh you know shooting up at brown people you know what i'm saying i know right um, <laughs> right there at black hawk down yeah man oh, Rex, man. Rex like, down it was, it was a different path for me so just uh, on a whim i took this class called the psyche and behavior of the filipino what uh, yeah dude uh, taught by professor dan Bagonia. All you got to do is just drop the name Dan Begonia, uh, and you see a lot of Filipino American uh, studies uh, students just kind of like, oh yeah, I remember that class. Oh yeah, that's the class that changed my life. That like that class got me to the consciousness that I have now. Now you know a lot of a lot of uh, current academia came from that class. A lot of artists like myself came from that class. That was a class that kind of woke your ass up about being Pinoy. And, that's amazing. Um, and, Dan Dan begonia was really confrontational about like, you know, yeah, how Filipino are you, or how white do you think you are?" kind of shit. It was great.
1: No, I don't know if I met Dan begonia ever, but I feel like I might have his name sounds so familiar.
0: Yeah, yeah, his name, his name cuts through all the all the networks, him and the, and his colleague, my other mentor, Dan Gonzalez, So you got two professors at SF State who kind of like, uh, you know, while the iron was hot, they struck. And that's where my comedy came from. man. Awesome, that kind of that, that was crazy. Well, crazy you're a pioneer, and
1: I mean, especially in Filipino comedy. I mean, for so many years, you were the only name that we would hear that's doing a show on tour. You know, everyone knows about Rex, and um, which is amazing. And and as years have gone by, you know, you're kind of like the pioneer, which became like you know Joe Coy, uh-huh. uh, other guys out there, Andrew and Lopez, everyone else. And everyone, um, else. everyone else. But you were you were pretty much the first. I've ever heard of any Filipino stand-up comic.
0: Yep, that was it for a while, man. I mean, when when I first dropped my album back in '98, yes, Bad, badly browned, badly browned. <laughs> I was like, eh, we'll just take a chance over classified records," you know, big ups.
1: Well, that plus, was the crazy maybe. thing about being. Remember? I mean, still the crazy thing about being Filipino in 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 the Hollywood industry, which is all about kind of putting people in boxes, is yeah. we're like these
0: Asians, but we're brown. Yeah man with really, Spanish we're, names we're, we're like we are, we are Asians but you know uh, with an asterisk every aster- all the time a hyphen it
1: we're actually I mean I, there's a book that someone gave me uh, another guy wrote called uh The Asian Latinos Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. like
0: that's that's a recent book, and I came up with that concept years ago. I guess with one of my bits, you know, we are the lost Latinos. We are. I mean, we are. We're the we're the Mexican Malaysians. We are the Mexican Malaysians, which is crazy
1: because you know, and I, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, which is you know, Filipino, black, and Mexican, and Italian. That's really all. That's Mm -hmm. the races that are kind of predominant in the in the the area. And then when I moved to LA, I, I grew up in a town called Paramount which is predominantly a Latino neighborhood, right, right next to Compton. It was like Compton and Paramount were very alike. It just made Compton was more black than Mexican and Paramount was more Mexican than black. So it was around But and, and you realize, you know, we they're like, you are Latino. I'm like, I, I get. I mean,
0: by all- yeah, did, you have, did you have a conflict with that when someone finally brought it up to you?
1: No, I mean, I
0: played <clears throat> half of the
1: roles, so many roles I grew up in the, you know, late 80s and then 90s. Half my resume was Latino characters. I'm playing Mexican, right. Puerto Rican. I mean, I mean, I played Native American. I, uh, then you know, all kinds of different Asians. Yeah, but, but
0: but we definitely knew that Rufio was definitely Filipino. Yeah, with
1: that hair, with that hair, bro, with that hair Rufio. Yeah. That sounds that energy, like a Filipino you know, name. Yeah, uh, but so many Latino names. <laughs> like, I mean, our names are Latino. Uh, your yeah. last name, my last name, and and exactly. and the story of how Latinos became Latinos. Yeah. Uh, that is, you know, that's, we're, we're part of that. Actually, when I worked with Antonio Banderas, he definitely was like, you're Latino. Like mm-hmm. we're Spanners. You're like we're not, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's Spanish. He's straight we're Spanish.
1: Spanish. You guys, you, you guys aren't Spanish. You guys yeah. are, you know. Hispanic or Latinos like yeah, you yeah. from us, Latino. but we're not, we're Spaniards. I was like, Oh, I think, okay.
0: I think you and I need to like, uh, uh, run a campaign where, uh, the rest of the Latino community need to absorb Filipinos.
1: Yeah. I think some do a lot do they understand it. They're like, yeah, you're basically and a lot Mexico and Asia.
0: Yeah. And a lot don't. And they're super surprised after I explain our, our side that we are technically Latino as much as you are.
1: Oh, 100%, which is not something to be proud of maybe,
0: even. <laughs> I right, you know what? But then you know, I, hey, we get to join a bigger family and no, they get yeah. and they get they get to brag about us, so win-win. I no, think. and I
1: I do tell a lot of friends that are that are Latino, whether they're from Mexico or or wherever because LA obviously is full of Latinos. Like yeah. if you want to go to Asia, which we should all travel and experience the world like go to the Philippines, start the mm-hmm. Philippines because it's definitely Asia but you'll see so many connections to your background and how the, you know, even as much as how the provinces and the little villages are set up, it feels like you're driving through Mexico. It's like the same, it's set up the exact same way. It is.
0: I mean, really the same government uh, systems were set up uh, between Mexico and the Philippines. It was identical. Even just how we all got our last names. A lot of us think that, yeah, because we have Spanish blood, not necessarily, you know, when, when we were under Spanish rule, uh, the Spanish friars uh, right. The priests they would actually uh, rename entire towns one Spanish surname. Yep, and you had one not one ounce of Spanish blood, but you got the name just so that you could pay taxes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, really, that was a that was one way of controlling a population. I did a very uh,
1: cool walking tour in uh, uh, old Manila um, in the Philippines, and the guy's name I forget his name. He had to leave because he was saying all kinds of stuff that. Oh,
0: oh, Carlos, so Carlos. Carla, yeah, yes. Yeah, he, uh, he recently passed away. Rest in peace. Did he? Yeah. yeah. He, so he died, I saw he his. Died in Spain. Yeah.
1: I was. I saw his last walking tour.
0: Wow. So it was. You got lucky, man. Yeah, before I was he got there, to, uh, before he like, self deported. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was about to get deported, so we're like, we gotta go see his last tour, and it was fascinating and amazing in the information that I had no idea. Like, uh, like Mexico was, you know, even though we're connected to Spain, we were actually a colony of Mexico. Because they called Spain had colonized Mexico first, and then mm-hmm. somehow the way it worked out, they is actually a colony of Mexico under Spain. And then the fact, the reason why we didn't get the Spanish speaking uh, as our main uh, language yeah. was because of the politics, be, you know, what going on with the with with the uh, with the church in Spain. Really, the the, the 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 church wanted to rule the Philippines, and they did. And part of the way they, they kept it, you know, kept it kind of a little bit away from Spain is to like not have Spanish as fully as a culture, something like that. It was crazy. I mean, it was, he speaks so fast and has so much information in these three, four hours, you're hanging out with him. And it's, some of it makes you go, huh, really? You're like, what is going on here? Are you sure about that, Carlos? Carlos, a lot of stuff. And, you know, as far as, you know, with, with Mexicans, especially Mexico, Is so there's Mexican blood in the Philippines, as there's Filipino blood in
0: Mexico Mexico
1: because of the the way the ships were going back and forth.
0: Spanish galleon trade between Acapulco and Manila.
1: Right. And so you'll see some really Mexican looking Filipinos, including people in my family, and, and you'll see some really Filipino looking Mexicans hmm And they're like, how did they look, you know, they call it China, Chino. And they're like, yeah. you're probably Filipino, do your twenty three and me. And as yeah. we, in our in our family too, like my dad <laughs> did his twenty three andme me, and it's like a lot of blood coming from <laughs> North America. So like North America, right. like Native American. We're like, yeah, What yeah. is that?
0: And they're like, That's yeah. the Mexican blood. Mixing back and forth. I'm serious. Yeah. That is that is uh that is we weren't were we are actually the first Asians to come to North America. If we were if- in 1587, man, oh, wow. October 18th, 1587, on board the Spanish, Spanish galleon landed right there at San Luis Obispo, Morro Bay. Oh, wow. There's a, there's a placard right there that commemorates our arrival. And these were Indios uh, from Luzon in the, you know, natives from Luzon were on that ship because they needed us on those ships to navigate, dude. We were the only ones who knew how to navigate by the stars. Wow. Because I mean, the Spaniards they had their instruments, but man, when there's cloud cover and you can hardly see anything, man, you gotta rely on the on the Filipinos. Wow, that's yeah, amazing. Man. Yeah, and it was like uh, you know, Magellan gets all the credit for being the first guy to circumnavigate the globe. No, because we killed him in. Oh yeah,
1: we definitely killed him.
0: For and sure. um, and he didn't finish his mission, so the the Lapa Filipino. Lapa, Nav- I believe. yeah. So the Filipino, the, the Filipino, Filipino navigator slash slave on board Magellan's ship continued and accomplished the mission really yeah we did that man hell that yeah so amazing. we got to get around the world bro we do that's why I, we love that's why your dad joined the navy it's in the blood
1: it's in the blood uh <laughs> that's amazing we
0: love being on boats and battling people
1: <laughs> some knives with us some swords we're going yeah. i hear you know because you you know i'm sure you do a mm-hmm. lot of you know being filipino like you, you the more you work around especially in the industry there's so many interesting characters that you meet yeah. uh what everyone has different facets of knowledge of what they have and then people just start telling you filipino information because oh you're filipino did you know this this and that and i was doing this one project and the guy was talking about world war ii and about mm-hmm. how uh the you know the Leathernecks, you know, they, yeah, the Marines, they were called Leathernecks because yeah. of Filipinos, yep.
0: because the they're going into the Philippines it, yeah. and they're
1: getting their necks sliced by all the Filipino yeah. knife fires. And so they had to wear leather straps around their necks. Yeah. So yeah, that was
0: uh, a Philippine American war uh, about in the 1890s. Yeah, that when that the, yeah. When the good old boys from Kentucky, you know, the Southern boys were shipped off to the Philippines. Um, and had to uh, quell the insurrection, and that was us. And uh, yeah, the Marines literally had to go to sleep with leather straps wrapped around their necks because they were so afraid that the Moros, the Muslims of the South, would chop off their heads Run away with their heads so they couldn't be buried completely. And now that Marines are commonly known as leathernecks, and that's yes, because, because of, that. of
1: the connection with the Filipinos. And also, the yes. gun, the like the what is it called yes, 45? 45
0: caliber? Yeah, the 45 caliber cartridge was uh, developed was de- for the Warriors.
1: Yeah, because they're so scared of Philip not scared, but they just couldn't put them down fast no, enough. No, they couldn't like-
0: put them down because the caliber they had back then kept going through the Filipinos. You needed a caliber that would stop them as they're. Running towards you with uh, bolos and and swords uh, because these guys, these warriors were high on narcotics, uh, and stimulants, and they would wrap, they would literally wrap their torsos with tree bark so that if they get shot in battle, that their guts would stay in place. But they were so pumped up on on stimulants that they really? would keep fighting. Yeah, Old school stimulants. Yeah, man, old school stimulants. Just find it in the jungle; it's there. But, oh my man, goodness! Geez, that's in why the stories scroll- we don't
1: ever hear. You know, of course you yeah, hear like OPM and stuff like that, and yeah, other man. award.
0: But you- no, no, the vicious history of us, man. I find it more interesting because, man, the South was never, it was never uh, conquered by either Spain or America. What well, you talking about, Mindanao? In Mindanao, yep, and really? other parts of, and other parts of Bisayas, yeah, wherever there was a Muslim population it was very hard to come how did we get the muslim i mean obviously we know how we got
1: christianity and catholicism yeah which is prominent in uh at least two-thirds of the islands
0: yeah yeah but well, uh, actually, how did we get all, the muslim
1: the muslim well, all,
0: faith all of down the there? islands were actually muslim before the spaniards came really yeah M- manila was was a major uh hub for islam in the philippines man manila was Yes, it was. You would not you know would, that today. You would not know that, but you know what? I mean, there was battles between um, uh, Spanish and the uh, and the uh, and the Filipino Muslims of Manila. Yeah, but you know, they had more firepower, so we retreated. We I retreated w- or we converted.
1: I wonder how even Muslim
0: like uh, got. The Quran and stuff got the Philippines. How did that? Oh no, because of the trading, man.
1: Oh, the trading. The okay. Trading,
0: yeah, because Islam, Arabic traders back and forth. You know, like Malaysia is Muslim. Yeah, Indonesia, all of Indonesia. Is Indonesia,
1: Muslim. okay, that makes sense. Then. So yeah, yeah. That so we sense. were,
0: we we're all part of that great Islamic world there in Southeast Asia. But when Spain arrived, it was a different story. So, that, but then Spain could not totally conquer all of the Philippines. You know, that's why the south is definitely Muslim.
1: Okay. That makes a I did not know that aspect. I knew there's, of course, I knew the South was Muslim, and and that was the you know the second biggest uh, kind of movement in the Philippines. But I was yeah, always like, yeah. how did that happen? But yeah, that, so we that makes two sense
0: major. Now. Yeah, we have we have three major religions. We got Christianity, we Christian, got Islam and and uh, animism or paganism, the original you know uh, religions.
1: I think there's still you know at least within my family, uh, it feels like there's a lot of. Kind of that in, even though we're we you know crazy Catholics, my grandparents mm-hmm. and whatnot. There's like that <laughs> crossover.
0: There's still some yeah. of that other stuff. Yeah, in man, there. it's a hybrid. We have it's a hybrid, hybrid Catholicism, you know. it's so like, this was the deal. If you're gonna take our land and restructure our our identities and then give us this brand new religion, we're gonna keep some of our spices on hand. Right. You know? I, I saw
1: some crazy things as a child. Where I'm like,
0: what kind of <laughs> Catholic like, is this? I, like, tell us, Dante. <laughs> no, I mean. Spirits and stuff in the spirits house. Spirits in the
1: house, talking to little people and spirits. Yeah, exactly, and man. People getting possessed. I mean, we like a lot of, you know, a lot of Filipino community, I'm sure. You know, there was uh, the potluck every Friday night that went from house to house. And there was yeah. prayers every, you know, it was like, it was a prayer, yeah, man. And all the, all the you know, all the, all the elders, especially the women got together. They prayed for a long time. -hmm. And uh, and then they then they play mahjong till like you know the morning and was, that's true. So, and and there's so much food. And it was like the kids you go there to like you socialize with all the other kids in the neighborhood. Right, right. Um, and all yeah, all of us kids end up in the garage breakdancing. You end so up breakdancing, you, know. you end up eating food, <laughs> fighting, other spl- fighting, flirting with the girls, whatever you're doing. But when you're young, you I mean we wound up in the room watching some of these older women uh pray. And and sometimes go and get possessed by other spirits. Mm, that was crazy. Some was channeling like, going on. There was some channeling going dang. on. It wasn't like every week the channeling went on, but when like some a certain sect from the Philippines came over, and all the white dresses and stuff, and it was oh, like, wow. oh wow, this is serious. This is something real is going on yeah yeah
0: this is yeah this is not this is not uh uh what do they call it uh uh (laughs) uh, given permission by the local archdiocese no
1: this was uh (laughs) some for province like
0: our voodoo our own version of voodoo
1: no Mm -hmm. i saw bodies convulsing people passing Uh out waking waking up as other people Dang, I was like, "What?" So is that's going like, on? That,
0: that, those were your early acting classes, Dante. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> One of my aunts, my auntie Alice, she and she could barely speak English. You know, right. not barely. She has a thick accent. Obviously, okay. Filipinos speak English even in the Philippines very well, but she passes out from praying and then wakes up and she's like a six-year-old British girl.
0: Perfect.
1: No, shut eating. up. I'm ser- dead serious. Shut up. <laughs> and the little girl's name was Littles. And she was talking and she was talking to us kids. And I must have only been like, you know, nine, ten at the time. She was eating grapes. She's like, I need to eat. I, I haven't I love I miss food. I was like, what's going on? Really? Yes. Wow. Crazy. Oh, Crazy. Dude,
0: that's that's creepy. Sometimes Filipino, you, know. <laughs> you can jump you can jump. I mean I need to write
1: I need to make write a movie. I need to put the, that scene in a yeah, movie man. somewhere. You
0: gotta put that that would be rich, man. Like a thick ass accent Filipina auntie all of a sudden waking up like I would like some biscuits if exactly. you Exactly.
1: That. That's exactly yeah. what happened. And we were Ugh. like
0: Ugh. What is
1: happening here?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. That's – that dang. Okay. Yeah, I and mean, you know really that we we're not we're not just religious folk. We're we're very connected to the spiritualism around right. us. And you know, like yeah, like you said earlier, like we do pray to little people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we got the days. we got the, yes. uh, the the dwarves in the forest. Yes. But you know what? But we openly pray to a little tiny spirit in disguise within Catholicism. And that's the Santo Nino. That's called the Santo
1: Nino, everybody. We put the Santo yeah, Nino.
0: That's our little Christian dwarf, but we call him we, Jesus. Why do we and love
1: We love the Santo Nino? Like we it, love baby because Jesus. It comes,
0: because it comes from that ritual of uh, of connecting to the spirit world uh, in, in the forest, in the jungle. You know, you got the duendes, the tiny people. Right. And they are known to be mischievous. They can be straight up evil. Oh, or they yeah or can they can they could lead to your fortune. Really, that little Santanino is all... always dressed so good, isn't he? Yeah, right?
1: red He's got curls in his hair. That guy got He's he's dressed to the nines, little like, little baby like, Jesus. he's like going to a pimp convention. He's like a know? pimp convention. He somehow <laughs> grew up to just be like a beggar, but <laughs> when he was a kid, he was pimping.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because we got we got to we got him yeah, really if, if someone out there was brave enough to put out a Santanino action figure line, hell oh, yeah, man. God. We, we should come
1: back with that. We could make a lot of money, at least in the Filipino community. What about <laughs> um? did you, we did, What? Did you, my grandmother always made a plate for the Santanino and the little- Exactly. Yeah. Because they got to eat.
0: And, and I was always like, it
1: was a nice plate. And I was always like, why are we, what, what, how does this work, grandma? How is this working? Are they eating the spirit of the food? What's going on? <laughs>
0: same thing man you know like in in china the they leave uh, uh fruits other foods for their ancestors in the spirit realm same thing with us man you know that the spirits are around you so it's either yeah. you be cool with them you leave them some gifts you leave them something to eat and not and fruits fresh made them. food you yeah, everything.
1: Ponset, talking everything the whole you get a whole
0: big fat <laughs> plate everything except, except the durian that pisses them off
1: <laughs> no durian we had no durian in our house and i went when i started doing durian
0: lit, Not i don't
1: love durian but when i went back in the philippines and durian yeah. was more introduced to me i was like we didn't grow up with durian that is no
0: no that's a that's a thing, man that's a different part of the philippines kind of thing man pungent yeah, it is it it's it smells like 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 sweaty tube socks you know? I'm not in it, but people that
1: love Durian love Durian and everyone else hates they it. They do. There's, they'll no, fight there's you. no in they'll between. Fight
0: you. They'll fight you saying it's the best thing on the planet. And you're like, like no, it's not. You're wrong. You need to travel. <laughs> you need to travel. Uh, uh, it's, 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 you know who loves Durian? a uh, uh, Jessica Chastain. No way. The girl is in love with Durian. She loves that. No way. Yeah. yeah I saw in one of her interviews, I was like tripping. For real, Jessica Chastain is into durian. She loves durian, man. She Maybe, loves it.
1: I don't know. They, they know something we don't know.
0: Yeah, man. You got to be a certain kind of person to really love durian. And I'm, not, I'm not clowning. You know, I'm not clowning, man. There's a big industry out there. That, man, might, be the that, that might be they the love key. That might be the key to it.
1: the afterlife. The key to get into the pearly gates of heaven. They're like to me, it's like Roger it Durian level. Man.
0: <laughs> it's like rotten jackfruit. It's not good. <laughs> It's, it's not. not. I don't sorry. like the smell of it. I don't like the I'm texture glad. of it. See? I yeah, don't man. like it. Let's all, Dante, let's hold our ground. It's it's nasty. Although I'm in sorry. the South,
1: they love it. In Mennonite, like, and like love durian them. cafes.
0: But they just warned me, you're going to eat it so I could go leave for a while. I know. And then come back. You hold wait, your wait, breath. Wait, hold wait. your <laughs> breath. Put whatever they give
1: you in your mouth and swallow as fast yeah. as you can. And then wait, I'm, we're am I done? I'm done. We're going to
0: get so much hate from this podcast. I know this we love durian. The durian uh, tourism board is just going to send us hate mail. No, on the plane back from Mindanao <laughs> they're like you cannot bring. There was sign. Exactly. You, can't bring you durian can't... on the plane. That is civilized. You can't put it on the plane. Even on buses you got to hang the durian outside the window while the bus is moving. You know that? <laughs> That's
1: horrible.
0: <laughs> it's a nasty ass fruit. People, why would you put it in your mouth in the first place? I don't know. That's... Now we can't stop it. <laughs> dude so man the last time i saw you bro was in the I philippines i was in manila. Man. manila yeah we were manila. we were kind of kicking it with friends out there in manila I know, I your just, brother your brother I, was in town too. i flew out of town before
1: i had to get i had to go somewhere and yeah dion went to go see your show
0: yeah yeah and i was cool man to see both of you there in manila i was like man when are these fools ever gonna come to the philippines and like absorb it and, and it turns out you guys have been going back to the philippines well
1: i've been doing back. your
0: thing man i started
1: bringing my brother back i've been going back and forth a lot for the last 10 years and started uh you know as it became in as i expanded to just the talent side of what i've been doing here in hollywood to uh writing and directing and producing um it was really got focused around uh asian american filmmaking and i started wow. off doing stuff in hawaii with james sereno kinetic films and um and did a few films there which was amazing uh and then as i kind of was like on this thing you know and about representing asians in hollywood and i created this thing called we on the eighth and it was about you know celebrating asian filmmaking not Asian American month, which no one really even knows which month that is. And it's kind of like arguable sometimes. Yeah. Is it May or April? I don't know. No one knows. It's not like we all know February is African American month. It hasn't really scaled as much here in America. Mm-hmm. We uh, decided, me and AJ Raphael, uh, we're like, let's do we on the eighth, where we 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 on the eighth day of every month. And we saw we threw a meeting and had, you know, a lot of talks and, and screen stuff the eighth day of every month and had a lot of talent and people come out and talk. And and then that led me to the Philippines. Um, and we started producing films out of the Philippines. So I kind of been going there and kind of connecting, you know, part of me just want to connect as who are you, who are we, what, who am I? And, and then, uh, and what can I do? And I'm, you know, this is, you know, filmmaking is my industry. And so kind of connecting to all the artistas over there, uh, in front of behind the camera and, and then you know, doing the business deals with the studios and trying to elevate what they're doing out there, trying to elevate what we were doing here and 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 build bridges. It's part of I'm part of that place in my life where it's like it's about building bridges. Uh we're living a you know a different kind of world now. It's like we're all connected. It's time to kind of take the best of what they got going out there, connect with some of the best things we got going here and and make these, you know, tell these stories that haven't been told yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean what what about the Philippines and the storytelling and the filmmaking out there uh, really caught you? That really, you know, grabbed you.
1: Well, when I did the debut years ago, started out that many years ago, which is probably 20, at least 20
0: years. Yeah, ago. that was in the 90,
1: 90s yeah. When so the debut came back. out. Yeah. And um and I started working with uh with the artists out there that came here, um Eddie Garcia, Cruz, Gina Lahar. Um and you know, I'm just full on Filipino American. I didn't grow up with Filipino films and, um, you know, we grew up really American. And so right. I, I didn't know these, I didn't know their films. I didn't know who they were, but when I started acting with them, I could tell the talent and there's, there's this thing, right? When you're acting, um, it's just like you're doing scenes with Eddie Garcia and or or Tyrone. It's like you're doing a scene with like this really big movie star, whether it be an Al Pacino or Antonio Banderas. Or um, it's the same feeling, and then you realize it, it is the same thing because they are that in their countries. There's something you cannot teach actors. This this thing about representations, like you can't be doing small parts your whole life and hope to just be the lead in the film and think like, you know, that's just gonna go well for me because you don't have that experience. You haven't grown up in front of the camera being the lead of a movie, knowing the twists and turns of the story. There's like these things that happen through experience through decades of working as a star in an industry that you are not gonna get working, doing two lines in a movie in the industry. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you right. you can't really learn it in an acting class. You can't really teach it. It's 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 earned. And then I'm working with these guys and it's there. And I'm like, oh my God, they're taking certain moments. They know how the camera works. They know what they're doing, how they're, you know, they understand their performance, how it's affecting, because they've been doing it. Like big movie stars here. I just don't know them because I didn't grow up with them, but as an actor, I can feel it. And it was, is so intriguing to me, you know, mm-hmm. um, how how that kind of like, you know, transcends cultures and everything. It's like, okay. And so it just, as you kind of get lot like you in in college and stuff, you kind of start awakening to who you are, where, where you are in the world. And then as you kind of become an adult in the world and the world becomes, you know, your world becomes less about me, 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 and what am I doing in my career and more about community and others and family and friends and just, just a larger scope of like, what am I to do, you know, that's going to be positive, not just for me, but for the next generation coming up. And that led me into Asian American filmmaking. And now something I call, uh, you know, just new Asian media, which is really, uh, you know, Asian filmmaking without boundaries, without borders. It's like Mm -hmm. Asian filmmaking is Asian filmmaking. It's uh, the reality There's amazing Asian films out there in the world that we just don't get in America because of, you know, our small mindedness to a degree. And even us being Asians, we don't get it. So about building bridges and about, uh, you know, as much as it is about bringing the great talent here to America, it's about us and the great talent here going to other countries in Asia and working with their amazing actors and directors and writers. And and what do we have to
0: collaborate, you know? And sometimes we got to take that route, like Bruce Lee did. You know, yeah, he got, he got tired of how things were done here in the states, and he expanded and just went back to his roots. Went back to Hong Kong, and became a a bigger star. Yeah, over there, he he went full circle. Being born in San Francisco, being uh, you know, and then doing Cato. right, and um, and then developing uh, you know, the series that eventually became Kung Fu, and then he got screwed of and course then, um, that's a hollywood story for sure yeah, man, but then but he became a legend literally a living legend because of his his return back to hong kong totally. and starting starting from a place where he knew that this is where he should be right
1: and i loved i mean especially when i started going back it, it had to be my 30s early 30s it was just i had a uh a calling i just wanted the world to be bigger sometimes when you're in hollywood or whatever industry you're in you know we kind of get so focus that the world revolves around what we're doing right here right now right Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to feel like the world revolves around this this industry of hollywood this this city and and it just gets to a point in your life where you're like i just want to go out there and experience the world and there's so much more out there and it's and that was part of the adventure of going to meet new artists in other countries and filmmakers and have conversations and talk about films and make films and you know that and it's still part of like what I'm doing now, it's really having a bigger, a bigger life for me, um, yeah. beyond, you know, the hustle, the hustle of Hollywood never ends. It's going to continue with or without you, um, right. broadening that kind of like hustle to to kind of fulfill my life, I guess, and to, to a degree. And a lot of that's about fulfilling, like going back to my roots and seeing where I'm from and, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a big part of it, but that's it's kind of expanded now because we, we start in the Philippines and we've done a few films now there, and uh, I just directed a film that got produced out there called Fabulous Filipino Brothers. But then, I heard
0: about you. I, yeah. wanted, I wanted I wanted to chat with you about that because you oh, brought I your brothers on board. You yeah. brought your family on board for this production.
1: But now we I mean now we're doing meetings like my last trip we were in Vietnam having meetings about doing some films out there. We were in Jakarta oh, and wow. and doing films out there. We have we have a deal in China, and again it's all about building bridges and like it's like one world now you know it's it's really with internet it's like it's not about one region it's about making really cool stories that are, have a universal appeal it's about you know taking your star structures and and bring in this bur- you know this burgeoning um, asian american star structure and let's kind of like connect everybody and see what kind of films we can make you know
0: right 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 man that yeah you a lot of leaps and bounds for you, bro. That's, that's, uh, really, that's, that's really unheard of. And, uh, I mean, really behind the scenes, a lot of people don't know what you've been up to other than right. you acting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, you know, you know, how it is that people just know what's going on in front of the camera, which I love, which I still love being an actor. And I love mm-hmm. doing a lot of that kind of stuff, but, um, I've been really been feeling fulfilled, writing, directing, producing, getting, uh, putting teams together that are, you know, have the same vision and, um, trying to like do some, do something interesting, do something impactful. And and then also giving opportunities to a lot of new artists in front of and behind the, the camera. That's really mm-hmm. that's I a- mean,
0: you bring a lot of skills with you since you were a kid in the industry. So that never leaves you. You I mean us, yeah, if you're if you're a learner like me, I learn by watching. Yes. And listening. And and there you go. That's your master class just by doing 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 it that way by yeah, watching. I didn't go to college. So good.
1: You know, I didn't, I, I've been working in Hollywood since I was uh, 10 and I was a break dancer before that. Yeah. Um, and we were, me and my brothers are B boys in the Bay area and studied ballet at the San Francisco ballet company. And so yeah, that's what B was for ballet. You were ballet
0: boys. Yeah. We are
1: ballet boys. <laughs> and we, you know, we were Bay Area boys, man. We were yeah, Niners and the Oakland A's and yeah. uh, Oakland invaders back in the AFL days or, uh, <laughs> Um, but then we got to LA and we studied acting, we'd act and I've been acting for over 35, about 35 years now, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. And I didn't go to college. And so as a producer, so, so many years, I was like, the first, you know, the first year or two, a few years, I was like, I'm not a good, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, I was talking to my mm-hmm. producing partner, James Serena. I was like, I'm, I don't think I'm a good producer. I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Because <laughs> I didn't go to college. Hey, but- yeah, because was- I went
1: to college. And then Whoa. he was like, first of all, you're a good producer. And I go, why? He goes, well, because you call people and people call you back. Yeah.
0: Like you, you,
1: <laughs> you can call people that I can't call or that won't ever return my phone call. And I'm like, that's interesting. And then, so there's that aspect of just having a long career and having good contacts and people still having good feelings about you. Right. And then uh, the idea of, as we were on the set working, and even when I started directing, again, like you said, there's a lot of information that you have in you just through seeing and knowing and having spending thousands and thousands of hours on sets and theaters and plays and, being an actor in them, but also being a sponge and uh, and soaking in direction and lights and camera angles and reading thousands and thousands of scripts, that it's in you. You know what's going on. It's just about communicating that in a clear way and hopefully inspiring. You know your 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 group, whether you're a producer or a director. You know your crew and your cast to kind of like move in the direction that you think is right, but also inspiring them to really do their best. I mean, that's right. like, that's that's how I do it, you know? And I've sure. been on this that are a little bit different, you know? I've been on mm-hmm. more structured stuff or more even tyrannical things sometimes. You know, and sometimes you get stuff done that way, but that's not my way. My way is more like find my friends and folk that kind of have the same mindset and kind of hopefully every day inspire everyone to do their best. Because it's when you're doing a movie, it's literally like 20, 30, 40, 100 artists on this, at the same place trying to do something good and mm-hmm. that that could be it could happen that something good could happen or it could just be a mess which that can happen also sometimes
0: mm-hmm. well man you know what if it makes you feel any better there's this uh there's this director in Hollywood I know who uh, he's done pretty well, but he's never even been to college. He tried so hard to get into a USC film school, but did not get accepted. And you know this guy, Steven Spielberg? Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, no, yeah, such a What's Long Beach, What's Long Beach. <laughs> yeah, he did. Okay. A See, say, my, but now my my he's USC, a building. He has a building. USC, USC, yeah. USC dropped the ball on this kid. <laughs> I, know,
1: I know. Exactly, and I, man. As a kid, I got you know. I used to. So I, when I was doing Hook with Steven Spielberg, I mean, I would show up on the set my days off to just watch. Um, you know, I I'd, I'd just watched Robin Williams work. I'd watch yeah. Dustin Hoffman work. I'd watch Bob Hoskins work. I'd, I'd watch. Uh, I would sit next to Steven Spielberg, and he and you know, I'd watch him direct, and he would explain to me about directing and camera lenses he's using, and mm-hmm. telling me about the movement of the camera. and And people ask me about you know that all the time, like hook, hook, about what the Rufio and 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 Rufio's become this iconic character. I go, but you know, understand, I was like a 15 year old kid that was a very serious actor. Not that I'm not serious now; I'm still serious. But you're just young and enthusiastic, and I would show up on the set. And when you work with these kind of guys, you know, Rob and Dustin. Stephen, you know like these guys are literary literally gods in our industry like yeah. gods like they did things that <laughs> changed the landscape of you know the world but definitely of hollywood and how filmmaking is made and improv in films uh you know the 70s actors that changed acting i mean they're on the mount rushmore of actors where you know Pacino, De Niro, Hoffman, Nicholson, like these dudes came in and be, character actors became leading men because of them, you know? Yeah. And I would just be on set, just watching them work every day. And so that's that kind of experience. And that's Hook, and then people know about Hook, but you, you take that kind of mindset, and whether it's on a TV show or a film, you just kind of keep going and keep on learning from things that work and things that don't work, and things that feel good and things that, you know, through conflict, how things kind of come out of it, and I don't know.
0: Well, see. how 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 could you not be so distracted by such like uh, epic talent being on the set of Hook? You've got Spielberg. You're looking at Robin Williams' act, but that's Dustin Hoffman over oh there.
1: Yeah, Dustin.
0: follow <laughs> Dustin Hoffman around
1: around the set because I mean he's. I, like I said, like, I mean, at 15, I started acting when I was 10, like me and my brothers like, studied acting, like seriously. Hoffman was, I mean, a God, like he's, he's like Marlon Brando. You know what I'm saying? He's like James Dean. Marlon Yeah. Brando. He's, like,
0: yeah he's like your everyday yeah. Marlon Brando.
1: He's one of those dudes that you're like, you came in here as this five foot, nothing Jewish dude from New York and you became a movie star. You became, you know, you yeah. this was not supposed to happen but it only happened because you're such a brilliant dynamic actor and to be around him and talk to him and uh i mean he actually be you know by the end of the film i you know i knocked on his door during my death scene in, in uh in hook and i before and i was like I, you know i knocked on his as like young punk kid like i hey mr hoffman like dustin i've never died you know i never did a death scene can you give me some advice and by the end of it he's like when is it when are you gonna shoot i'll be there and he and he became my acting coach for the few days we did the death scene and was like it was amazing like wow. have this guy this this legend kind of like coaching you through this death scene and in your ear telling you things to think about as you're doing this and you're, you know it was really really amazing
0: wow wow but and and the same thing goes for Robin Williams i'm sure that he was he was a major impact amazing. in on your career at that time
1: so robin yeah i mean Dead Poet Society was one of, instills one of my favorite films. And so, so excited to work with him. I was a fan since Mork and Mindy, since mm-hmm. i was a kid. and Exactly,
0: man. I mean, and, and then Popeye out of nowhere. Popeye, what the hell was this movie? This a comedy? I, I, I don't know where to laugh. The World According <laughs> to Garb was a big film. Um, I know. Kid.
1: The that, World According to Garb
0: was amazing. Yes. And yes. the
1: Dead Poets Society, me and my brothers created our own Dead Poets Society. We got so much into poetry, and we, me and him would talk about poetry. And and the story I tell, you know, as we're talking about Filipino chronicles, the Flip Chronicles, mm-hmm. one day, uh, just on the side of set, he was like, "Uh, you know, he was like, Dante, like, where are you from? I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm from I'm originally from the Bay Area. You know, I'm from Pittsburgh, California. And he's like, yo, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm from the Bay, too. I was like, oh, yeah, I know you're from San Francisco. He's like, obviously, we're from the Bay. We know that. Yeah. Robin Williams is a San Francisco legend, right? Yep. And so he's like, Yeah, man, so I'm from the Bay too, but he's like, Where's your family from? Like originally. And I was like, Oh, well, we're, you know, I'm Filipino. And he goes, Yeah, I thought you were Filipino. I go, Oh, yeah. He goes, Yeah. Because he goes, My wife, his wife at the time, uh, Marcia, yeah.
0: Marcia,
1: she's yeah. uh, part Filipino. She's half Filipino. Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, you, you know, I was looking at you and you reminded me of my father in law. And I just saw this Filipino thing. And I was like, This kid's got to be Filipino. And we're, since so we're talking about, the philippines and his connection to being you know the Filipinos and whatnot and for robin williams to do that to me as a young kid you know it's just this feeling of like in this industry like a lot of industries you always feel like you're on the outside looking in you know even when you're like cast in the biggest film in town and you're here but there's like this big party but it's still like you still feel like well, i'm on the outside looking into this cool party of all these movie stars and all these things going on and you just want to be a part of it and you know he had his own little way of just kind of like putting his arm around your shoulder and just be like, no, this is, you're part of this. You're welcome. This is you. You're welcome to the party. You're in the party. Come to the party with me. And I'm like, It was really wonderful. Such a beautiful guy. Was
0: so. He's so missed. I mean, that's that's always been up until the end. He's always been a mentor to everyone, especially other young comics, going through some hard times. He would help them out, literally help them out.
1: You know, the comic world. I mean, you know more than I do, but I have a lot of friends of comics. The comic world could be so hard and so Mm -hmm. clicky, unhealthy, unhealthy, Unhealthy. toxic, and it's just you know, and it's part of the culture. We all know that, but. You know, he's a king in the world and he was not like that. Yeah. That's not how he was,
0: you know. Cause he also knew how hard it can be. Right. You know, and we And he was untouchable
1: are, pretty much in the world. Like yeah. you no know, who's gonna say anything about Ron Williams.
0: Exactly. Because the guy always he always picked himself back up and he admitted, you know, his stumblings, but he was just like the rest of us, vulnerable. Oh, you yeah. know. And uh, but yeah, I mean and that's cool that he he connected with you like that, you know. I, he he did that to me too, you know. I met him backstage, and and he's, uh, I told him, yeah, Filipino American comic, and and he started speaking Tagalog to me.
1: Oh my God! <laughs> See, I love him. <laughs>
0: it's like I'm like I did. I'm in the presence of of a of a demigod. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I don't know how to I don't know how to approach him. First of all, he's piercing—he's piercing through your soul with his blue, blue eyes. eyes, the bluest of blue eyes. Dang, t- I never saw that on film, but in person, oh my god, uh, this guy.
1: There, you know, it's crazy, right? And when I talk to young artists, when speak at colleges or acting schools or whatnot, it's—it's, um, it's, yeah. When you're in the presence of greatness, you should have—you need to have the wherewithal to to understand that to take it in for a moment because there, you know, there's a lot of luck and there's a lot of good fortunes in industry that people become this or that and the in, in the direction of life. But the guys that do it consistently and, and reach a level, like you say a demigod, like they are our royalty. And they're not, it's not God given, blue-blooded, you just were born with it. There's something that happened and they rose to these levels. And when you're in their presence, you have to kind of like take it in because you could feel it. It's different. There's, so, there's a reason why they got to where they're through all the hard work, but through the talent and the charisma and all kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of place your finger on anything, but you, it's great to kind of be there and to kind of like look at it and see it and kind of experience it and, and see what it informs you about your, your life and your career and your, you know, whatever you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, he he had me with those uh, rainbow suspenders when he was more, hey, like, who is this man? Who is this guy? Is this show scripted at all? This is genius. He's <laughs> so fast. He's so fast. He's from a, he's he literally from a different, he's running on a different parallel in it from a different universe in that moment, in right. that space that you share with him. It's, it, he can't, he cannot be measured or tracked, you know? He, he was all he's that definitely life. a gift. He was a gift to our presence, man.
1: Yeah, he was, I mean, he was the genie from Aladdin. That's who he was. He had like all that magic. When he yeah. was around magical things can and will happen. And, and that was every day on set with him. And he's bigger than life and faster and knows everybody, knows everything. And, and, and that, I love that aspect of him. But I also treasure the aspect because we, we got to spend a lot of time at the makeup and hair chair in the morning. Where it took out you know hours to do my hair and mm-hmm. and the stuff, my, my mohawk. Yeah, yeah, we remember that hair. <laughs> yeah, so we would just <laughs> sit there and and I got to experience like a very quiet Robin Williams, a soft spoken Robin Williams, and we would talk a lot about poetry because he knows how much I love Dead Poet Society, and he would share some of his favorite poems with me and poets, and I talk and and I started writing poetry a lot of you know because of uh robin williams and ted poet society and my relationship with him and talking about poetry kind of him kind of supporting me being a poet and that went on to me ultimately you know doing spoken word yeah. doing spoken word and creating uh, a poetry venue here in los angeles which was originally dante's poetry lounge which became dpl dub poetry lounge mm-hmm. uh, with my partners Sheehan and poetry and jamel and now after 20 years it's the largest largest uh weekly open mic in the country some say the world and became it became a inspiration thanks to Robin Williams. Williams. Yeah Yeah. it's inspiration that became Death Poetry Jam that went to you know HBO's Death Poetry Jam that went to Broadway and went to Tony and and still going on today. Uh part of that I you know I definitely attribute part of that to you know the support of Robin Williams Robin Williams which is amazing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah no a lot of it a lot of a lot of it comes back to people like Robin or Robin in particular, a lot of uh, yeah. like, you know, like me, my comedy is definitely, I have a, I have, I have one of my spokes connects to the hub that is Robin Williams. You know, okay. it's just that it's well, just yeah, the area yeah, there. I mean, just, just to not be afraid and be the kid inside and, 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 and do with very do with uh, very little that you have, and that's to improvise, you know. And uh, yeah, so just to see him work and the legacy that he's left behind in the Bay Area comedy scene, and then now through your story, man, this guy, this guy was just everywhere. He was literally in every genre of uh, of 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 the craft.
1: Right. I mean, and again, like he's one of a kind. It's not like there's any blueprint of like. For him to do it, he just kind of, you know, he yeah. did it in in a way that hadn't been done before. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yeah, he was he was totally unscripted. His life was totally unscripted, very improvised, but it was joyful.
1: Joyful. and He's very missed. He's very very missed yeah. by a lot of friends of mine
0: that knew him, and, and myself included. And yeah. yeah, yeah. But we understand where he came, where he he was coming from, and we understand his pain. In uh, his joy but I mean, he was he was a full-fledged human being that he was never afraid to show that to us and a lot of us need that little bit of a check won't well, you be a little more like robin yeah you know man It, it like for me to, uh my favorite film of his uh, i can only watch it maybe every every 10 years is uh is uh is good morning vietnam amazing that really showed me who he was, who he became. A bunch of years. That's
1: probably, I got I got to watch that again. Reece. I haven't, I haven't, probably haven't watched that in 10 years.
0: It's a beautiful film. I mean, I it, it. it's one of the, it's, it's a genius of a film. I mean, and, and, and it's not all about him, but it was just, just like who he was allowed to be in that film. Right. And, and it was, and it was very close to how everyone else in his life knew him. He was that kind of a person. He was very, he was very engaged in people who weren't, or, uh, you know, going through a lot of struggle.
1: Right. right uh,
0: and right. he did his own thing and he used his own talent, his humor, to kind of uh, bring some change into the situation or into the world, you know, to be that. a little bit of a rebel.
1: Yes, and, I got to watch that. That, I haven't, that movie,
0: yeah, that, that had everything in it.
1: Man. I do a, um on my Instagram live every Monday, you know, during this whole COVID and stuff, uh, me and my girlfriend, we've been watching movies because she's also a filmmaker and we just come in talking with each other about it. So we, like, decided to do – just talk to the audience at large and it's called Monday cinema club. So we watch. that. Like, I know about that. Yeah. Cool, every, man. every week. Uh, but well, hey, we should do, we should, yeah, we should do good morning Vietnam. I'd like to. Yes, I like please. You to do
0: that. Because you know, I mean, that's, that's good for the soul. That movie is yeah. good for the soul. It is, a, it is a very powerful yet understated film, but it's one of the most remarkable performances by Robin Williams. Really. Okay. You know, from there you could start with that movie and watch every other raven williams film out of order and just know that yeah this is this is truly who he was as a person and that was dante bosco <laughs> wasn't that awesome it's just really serious and this is just part one of episode six with dante bosco i know i know we can go on forever but it's just i just wanted to split this up so you guys can savor this first uh, part and um looking forward i'm looking forward to, epi- to uh, part two of this episode so i'm going to release that in just a few days um give you some time to rest <laughs> take care of stuff and all that but please take care of yourselves watch out for each other um and um i'll be back with uh, part two of dante bosco here on the flip chronicles with rex neverett